0: This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. All right, we are in week three of our series called New You, and we are starting the new year just discussing and talking about uh, from the scriptures, a lot in the scripture about God calling us new creatures, that he does new things. He says in his word, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now, like I said, I don't think God looks at Jesus up in heaven uh, in at January 1st and be like, hey, Jesus, it's a new year, we should start doing new things. I just think it's something we become more aware of, At the beginning of every new year, every new year, there's lots of possibilities, lots of potential. And uh, it just sort of we're able to hook into this idea that God does new stuff. He wants to do new stuff in us. Um, in 2017, and then he wants to do new things through us in 2017. So that's the emphasis um, of this series. We talked, we started discussing last week about the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God um, in our life. And my suggestion to you is that I, I'm hopeful that all of you have the Bible app on your phone or your iPad or your device, whatever you might have. But my suggestion for you in 2017 is to get a bible i'm hopeful that everybody has a bible um it's the best-selling book in history for a reason and as i mentioned you know there's lots of bibles available on amazon if you go to amazon.ca and get a bible for under ten dollars you can spend 150 dollars um, a lot of different um, bibles out there to choose from i showed you a bunch last week and i wanted to show you a few more to suggest to you this is actually a bible that i got in bible school it is called a thompson chain reference bible now it's the king james translation and i think it only comes in king james but if you are interested in a little bit more um, in-depth bible study there is a lot of uh, information in the back of this bible just some teaching how the scripture goes together A bunch of things about Jesus and prophecies and different things. There's also a concordance here in this Bible and what a concordance is if you're looking to do a word study. Let's say you want to study on the subject of love. Um, In the concordance it would show you all of the verses that contain the word love. So I just recommend to you uh, the Thompson Chain Reference Bible and I just wanted to show you um, the Bible that I ordered to start 2017 just to show you that i'm doing what i'm telling you to do um this is a journaling bible and what this does it has the references here in the center and then it has some space on the side where you can write some notes and my suggestion is um as you spend time reading the word of god like i said if you are a morning person um, get up maybe 15 minutes early find a chair don't lay in bed Um, not that I know from experience, but the potential is when you lay in bed and read the Bible, you fall asleep. So if you get in a chair, get your Bible, get a pen out, um, and as you're reading the Word of God, you can write some things in or you can highlight some things that maybe you feel like are being emphasized to you as you read a passage of Scripture. And that's what's great about this Bible. Uh, You can write some things in in the references there. And like I said last week, if you just want a cool-looking Bible, there's lots of cool-looking Bibles out there too, just a nice cover. And this is actually... Uh, This translation is the TNIV, which is today's new international version. Uh, It's kind of a reader's Bible, so you can get that. So let's turn our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And like I said, bring your Bible with you to church. So as we are reading through the scriptures, and you feel like there's something that comes up in one of the scriptures as you're reading and you want to write it in or highlight it, um, and that's one of the recommendations I have um, for somebody who's been around a long time if you've grown up in church you've been in church a long time I, you know one of the bibles that i have uh, that dates back to going to bible school you know some of the verses i have they're highlighted in multiple colors and then i have it underlined and i have things written in the margin and that's good But I think what could happen as you read a Bible like that, that you've marked up, the potential is there that you get to that verse and you've got it highlighted and you write things. You're like, hey, I know this. I don't need to read it again. And you can just imperceptibly skip over some of the thoughts. So that's why I recommend that you get a new Bible once in a while so that you are starting fresh and you're you're looking in uh, to the word of God fresh every time. So Matthew chapter 28, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as we mentioned last week, that Jesus has called us to, his, to be his disciples, which means a learner, to be his apprentice, not just to be a Christian in name only, that as a follower of Jesus, that we see ourselves as learners, not people that have arrived that know everything, that have all revelation, that have all understanding. Jesus has called us to be a learner and then to help other people to be learners. So to help someone else to be a learner, that means you have to be in that state. You have to be a state of mind, state of heart, to be willing to learn and still grow because that's what you're inviting someone else into as our relationship with God. So, uh, And then we read this last week, Romans chapter 12 Uh, verse 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect don't be conformed to this world in other words the attitudes or the thoughts within the culture don't necessarily just go on uh, with thoughts that are being presented in the world that the scripture is telling us that our mind should be renewed that we should be learning and growing and thinking new things allowing god's word to frame our minds to change our minds so that we can grow and change all knowledges like this All learning and growing is like this, that we would have our minds changed and grow. And just, you know, whatever professional um, life you find yourself in, your life is like this professionally, that you grow and you change and you think new thoughts and people teach you things and then you can get better. Same way with the word of God, that we go to the word of God to have our minds renewed, to have our life changed. But if we go back to verse 1, it says this. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice alive. Now, in the Old Testament, they would bring a sacrifice to God, a dead sacrifice. They would kill an animal and they would present it on the altar. But here in the New Testament, we are not doing that any longer. We're not, you know, killing our pet cat or dog or whatever type of pet you have and we're offering it to God. No, God is saying that we present all of who we are. And that we're supposed to live our lives as a sacrifice to God. That I'm presenting my life to God and say, God, I'm going to live for you. And so how am I going to live for God? Well, I'm going to have my mind changed and transformed by the Word of God. So we are going to look at the Word of God today. Um, We looked last week about why to read the Word of God. Now, today we're going to look at how to read the Word of God. So, um, once again, my encouragement as an individual, spend some time... If you're a morning person, up early, night person, up late, um, read it on your own. But then also discuss it with friends. If you have friends who are also followers of Jesus, it's a great thing to do to be able to discuss the scripture. What the things are that you're learning and growing, um, the things that you're growing in, uh, what God may be speaking to you from his word, that you can discuss those things and then you can get insight from somebody else who may be further along than you. If you don't have any friends uh, that you can discuss the Word of God with. As Ellen mentioned earlier, we've got city groups here at the church. We've got a group of friends for you. So if you feel like, hey, I don't have anybody uh, to talk to about the Word of God, you can join one of our city groups, and then you can have some of those discussions. All right. So how do we read the Word of God? How is it that when we come to the Word of God, when we spend some time, 15 minutes, wherever it may be, night or morning, how is it that we're supposed to read the Word of God? Uh, what we're going to do this morning, we're actually going to look at how Jesus read the Word of God. And if we understand how Jesus read the Word of God, that will help us to read the Word of God. That's, it's such a great lesson that we're going to see here this morning. And as we read the Word of God, the way Jesus read the Word of God, it will help us grow in our relationship with God. So the question I have for you, as we spend time in the Word of God, it's very easy, you know. The Word of God sometimes, is specific, specifically the Old Testament, is described as the law of God. How is it that we read the Word of God? If we read the Word of God, we potentially can read it as a legalism to enforce on others. Or we could read the Word of God as a freedom to be lived. We can read the Word of God to just like know something. I know what God is telling me and I can see what is God's will and what God's word says. And then we can read that and then we can look at other people and try to enforce it on other people. Or as Romans chapter 12 is encouraging us that we should be changed by it so that we can live something out. And I think the latter is much better. And I think the latter is the intended purpose of the word of God in our lives. So let's read here in 2 Corinthians chapter three about this idea. 2 Corinthians chapter three, Verse 1 says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation from you, to you, or from you? You yourselves are letters, are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and be read by all. So here Paul is writing to the people at the Corinthian church. And he's calling their life a letter. He's calling the life that they're living that people will read them as it were look at their life and decide something about them based on how they live their lives and paul is saying to them hey that's the letter that's the letter that god writes to the world the things that are written in your life and the things that are written in your hearts verse three and you show that you are a letter from christ delivered by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And he's actually referencing the tablets of of stone. In other words, the Ten Commandments. Very famous, we know the story. Charlton Heston up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. Tablets of stone. And then he's saying the application of the letter of the law actually kills us. But there would be something of the spirit of the law, understanding the spirit of the law that actually gives us life. And where is that thing written? It's written on our hearts. See, the letter of the law is something that we like to try to impose on other people. I know something. I know the letter of the law. I know what the ink says. And then, therefore, I try to impose it on someone else. Different than that is having the spirit of the law written on our hearts not something exterior, not something that's just out there as a principle somewhere, but the word of God actually written on our hearts that somebody could actually read and understand something that I would actually be living out because it's true on the inside of me. That type of thing gives life. So how do we define this? What is the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law? And how do we understand what the purposes of laws are? You know, we have the law here in Mississauga on Argentia, the speed limit is 60 kilometers an hour. And I don't know if you notice, if you come from the west, there's now a new you know, sign there that lights up that tells people that they're breaking the law. And the reason that sign is there on Argentia, one of the reasons is that we asked for it. Because a bunch of people speed past our church and get in accidents. We've had multiple times. You know, you, you notice the trees have been replaced on our, our front boulevard there. You know why? Because people keep knocking them down because they're breaking the law. They go by and then they're going past 60. They lose control and they're, you know, wrecking our trees and they run over our fire and they hit our sign. Do you remember? You see our sign? I mean, we're getting a new sign and the lady that knocked it down, her insurance is, you know, paying for it, but it takes a while because it's insurance. No offense to anybody, insurance. um, <coughs> <laughs> But what is the intended purpose? What is the principle behind the law of the 60 kilometers an hour? Is it just trying to squash our freedom from going 70 because we want to? I want to drive 70 on Argentia on my way to church. I want to be a free Canadian citizen. And just do what I want to do when I want to do it. And we kind of feel like maybe the law... It's pushing me down. But what is the intended purpose behind the 60 kilometers an hour? It's actually about safety, right? It is actually about operating your vehicle on <laughs> this road with a safe speed to protect yourself and other motorists. But sometimes we miss the intended purpose of the law, and we just sort of look at the law, and we feel like it's being imposed upon us. And this is the difference between understanding the letter of the law and what is the spirit of the law. And this is the thing that we will see as Jesus reads the scripture, as Jesus looks at the Old Testament, he goes past just noticing the letter and he defines for us the spirit of the law. What is the heart behind the law? What is it that's written in the law of God? That helps us to understand. What does it help us to understand? That the Word of God is written by a loving Heavenly Father. That God is showing us, and behind these laws and rules, that there is an intended purpose for us to be able to follow life so that we can live a safe, healthy life. And then also live life the way it's intended. But we have to see past the letter of the law because the letter kills, but the spirit of the law, it gives life. So let's read some of these things that Jesus interprets for us as he interprets the Old Testament that we can see how Jesus reads the Bible because this is how we should read the Bible. This is a a huge help to you as you're reading the scripture. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus is not doing away with the laws from the Old Testament. In fact, he's actually the only one that can actually do all of them and has done all of them and has fulfilled them. So that's one of the teachings here in the scripture that it shows us that Jesus lived a sinless life. He was actually able to fulfill the only one ever sinless lamb of god to do all of the old testament laws he did it for us so that we can live a life of grace that we can live a life a relationship with god because jesus has done something for us and that's really important to also when we go to the word of god that we realize we're going to the word of god from a place of love and acceptance not for love and acceptance does everybody understand when I say that, that we don't go to the word of God to show, okay, God, I'm going to read your, your word. And I know if I read a chapter today, you'll really love me. And if I read two chapters, I know you really, really love me. And if I don't fall asleep, I know you really love me more. And if I read every day this week, I know you'll love me extra because the pastor said I should read every day and I did what he said and I know that you'll love me. That's reading the word of God for love and acceptance. But what we are doing, that we are reading the word of God from a place of acceptance. We are reading it from a place of grace. That we are actually already accepted by God and loved by God. So that's why I live a life of sacrifice. Because he has given himself for me. I'm not doing it to please God. I'm doing it because he's already pleased with me because of jesus and that sets us free a little bit uh you know when we maybe don't i talked to somebody after the first service and they were like you know i tried this week to do everything you said there there's just some days i weren't able i wasn't able to read the word of god i'm like don't feel guilty that's not the point (laughs) that's not the point of me telling you to read the word of god so you'll feel guilty when you don't we're always doing it from a place of acceptance not for acceptance and we can do that because of Jesus, that he fulfilled the law. Verse 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, a dot, will pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is not relaxing the Old Testament laws, but he is helping us to understand them. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So that's all of us, that we are supposed to be doing the word of God and then be helping to teach other people. Verse 24, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it said of the, of the, to those of old, you shall not murder. One of the Ten Commandments that we just mentioned written on stone. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment, but I say. Let's pause for a second. So Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting one of the Ten Commandments. He's saying, hey, you've heard us said this, but now Jesus says, but I say, I am going to teach you something about one of the Ten Commandments. Hey, I've come to fulfill all of these, and I'm actually the only one that could do it. And the only way your righteousness is going to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes is by accepting the fact that I'm the only one that can do it. Jesus is saying, right? but then he tells us he's going to give us insight into the law of God. You've heard it said this, but I say, Jesus is going to read the Bible for us. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So what is the letter of the law? The letter of the law which we all agree is not a good thing to do. The letter of the law is don't murder somebody. So we all agree to this, don't we? We all agree to this. We do. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to murder somebody. Now, what Jesus is saying, he's taking it up a notch. He's not lowering the standard. He's actually helping us to understand what the standard is. Because we could say, I haven't killed anybody. So I have fulfilled the letter of the law. Here's the law. It's external. It's outside of me. It says, don't kill anybody. I'm like, great. At least I've got one of the ten. I have fulfilled that. But Jesus helps us to see beyond the writing on the sign. Jesus helps helps us to understand beyond the 60 kilometers an hour on the sign. What does... The intention of the law. The intention of the law is that we won't what? Be angry with our brother. Insult our brothers. Call somebody you a fool. Because we could say oh, I fulfilled the letter of the law. I didn't kill anybody. But if you just live an angry life. We fulfilled the letter of the law. But the spirit of the law is actually not being fulfilled. What is it? the letter of the law actually kills us. Well, I've accomplished the letter of the law and I'm going to make sure other people accomplish the letter of the law. But the spirit of the law is that I just wouldn't live angry all of the time because ultimately anger, we, and I'm sure we could see this, anger would be, the, would be the something that leads somebody, this is a very extreme case, to murder somebody else. And we can think, well, here's the letter of the law of this. But the spirit of the law helps me inside. I didn't kill somebody with my hands and I haven't broken the law with my hands and I haven't done something with my body to injure somebody else. But Jesus is saying for us to accomplish the spirit of the law, the thing that's written on the sign, I'm just not going to be an angry person. Now, do you see it's a little bit different? See, this deals with our heart. I can accomplish the letter of the law, but I can just also be an angry person and just like hate everybody and be an angry Christian. Of, We have too many already. Seriously, there's enough of them out there. We don't need another one. Accomplishing the letter of the law and then being mad at the other people who don't accomplish the letter of the law. Missing the whole time that we're actually breaking the spirit of the law by being angry at the people who are breaking the letter of the law. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. Now, when we think about Jesus' teaching, we're actually going back a couple of verses, Amy. Uh, Matthew chapter 11. Now, when we think about how Jesus would be teaching us the scripture, this is how we need to think about the teaching of the scripture as it comes from Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is a little bit blind to us within our culture. This actually has nothing to do with eggs. Um, So if you don't like egg yolks, that's okay. This has nothing to do with egg yolks. Now, in this time, there were rabbis. And each rabbi would have a certain way that they would teach the Old Testament. And how that rabbi would teach would be described as his yoke sort of the style that he interprets the Old Testament, the style that he would interpret the laws. And that quantum of data, the approach that he would take to the Old Testament was called his yoke. Now, Jesus says about how he teaches the scripture, what is it? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. They were Uh, riddled with religious laws that the, the Old Testament laws had ballooned to up over 600 laws. And it was a heavy thing to carry, a heavy burden to carry. Do this and don't do this and don't do this and don't do that. And then if you do something that you shouldn't do or you don't avoid something, you're not sure if God loves you and you're for sure, for sure that religious people are mad at you. But Jesus says the way he approaches the teaching of the scripture, what is it? It's easy and it's light it's easy and it's light so if we're reading the word of god and it's a heavy burden we're doing it wrong if we're burdened down because of people that people in the world are sinning and we're just so angry at the people in the world because the people in the world and they're breaking the, go- breaking the ink on the page and I know what the ink says and someone else is breaking the ink and so I'm just going to be mad at them. Do you know that's a heavy burden to carry? I have some quote unquote friends on Facebook who are just angry at everybody. I mean, they're just angry. They're angry at the world. They're angry at the church. They're so angry at the church, they don't go anymore. (laughs) Because they've got it all figured out. And I'm thinking, if you've got it all figured out, why don't you come show us how it's done? But that's another subject. And so they're just angry at all of the other Christians who don't look at the scripture the way they look at the scripture. And it's, it's a heavy burden to bear for them. Let me tell you, that they're sitting at their computer posting About what Christians should do and what they shouldn't do. And they're all angry and they're all upset. But Jesus said, following him, it's easy and it's light. It's easy and it's light. So we need to read the Word of God the way Jesus read the Word of God. If we think to ourselves, well, I didn't kill anybody, but I hate everybody, that's not easy. And it's not light. Let's look at a few more verses along these lines. Matthew chapter 9. Now we're going to see here specifically in this portion of scripture, we're going to see the Pharisees interpret a situation. And then we're going to see Jesus' interpretation of the situation. Whose side should we be on? Whose side should we be on? Jesus. All right. Somebody's listening today. Matthew chapter 9 verse 9 as Jesus passed by on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me which is us and he rose and followed him and Jesus reclined at the table in the house behold many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? So the Pharisees are there and they're looking at this situation that Jesus is hanging out with the worst of the worst people. Jesus is hanging out with the people that are breaking the ink on the page. And he knows it. Now, Jesus is not breaking the ink on the page. Jesus is not hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners and becoming a sinner but he's there at the table and he's hanging out. And this was thought of as a real thing of intimacy. When you would eat with somebody, you were showing friendship. You were showing hospitality. And Jesus is hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners. And the Pharisees are looking at this situation and they're like, what is he doing? Why? Because they, know, they knew or they thought they knew from the Old Testament laws that all of the people that Jesus was sitting and eating with they were all unclean and they were all lawbreakers and they are all breaking the ink and they were all breaking the laws on the tablets of stone and they're thinking we shouldn't be hanging out with these people the pharisees are standing looking angrily judging the actions of jesus telling you it's like christians on facebook today it's tiresome it's tiresome and if you're of that ilk stop it your opinion on facebook is not going to change anything something written on your heart that you live out that can actually make a difference something that you actually do we're going to talk about that next week Not just something that you would write on Facebook or on Twitter. What did it say? That that there would be ink. The Spirit of God would write something on our hearts. And people would read our lives. Not our judgments that we could proclaim. And the Pharisees saw this. They said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? They thought they were right. But when he heard it, he said, talking about Jesus, Those who are well, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 13. Now listen to what he says. He says this to the Pharisees. So this is for all the intellectuals in the house today. Jesus is wanting us to think. He says, go and learn what this means. Go and learn what this means. Now he's going to quote the prophet Hosea and he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice for i came not to call the righteous but sinners now he is calling the pharisees righteous but he's actually calling them self-righteous that they think that because they're not sitting at the table with the sinners and the tax collectors that they are more righteous than jesus but jesus says hey i want you to go and learn what this means I love that phrase. Go and learn this. And then what does he quote? He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Quoting Hosea the prophet. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now what is mercy? Mercy is something that you would give to another person. Within the context of a relationship, Jesus is saying, quoting the Old Testament, that God desires... Mercy, not sacrifice. What is sacrifice? Sacrifice is something that I would do for God. I would take and I would present and I would get an animal and I would kill an animal. And I would present it to God. God says, Jesus is telling us, go and learn what this means. That God actually desires from us that I would give mercy to a person That I would stop trying to make myself right with God because I can't do it anyway. And this is the point of the gospel that God has made it right for us by Jesus. We're never going to make ourselves right by fulfilling our traditions. Fulfilling our traditions that we think are sacrifices. Now, if you grew up in church, you have a thousand and one of these things that you just don't even know about. And you think, if I do all of these things in a certain way, and if the church service looks like this, and if we sing these songs, and if we do church like this, we will make God happy. God says, I desire, the word of God says, Jesus wants us to learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Stop trying to make it right. Between me and you, God is saying, I've made it right for you. So now, what does he want us to do? He wants us to sit with the people who need mercy. See, sacrifice represents me and our relationship with God. It's like, okay, it's good. We're good. Jesus has done it for you. Now, what I'm wanting you to do... I'm wanting you to think about you and your relationship with someone else. I want you to be a person who gives mercy. See, the Pharisees looked at this situation and they said, Jesus shouldn't be hanging around with these people. These people. Who are these people to you? Who are the people that break the ink that you're mad at? Now, Jesus says we're not changing the ink. We're not actually lowering, we're not lowering the laws. The laws are actually higher than you actually thought. But who are the people that are breaking the ink that you can imagine that you don't like? Who are these people that you want to post on Facebook about that you don't like? People That are breaking the laws. Who are they? You got them in your head? Jesus says to us, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That we would actually give mercy to somebody, me as an individual, that something's actually written on my heart because I actually have been given mercy by God. The relationship that I have with God did not actually come from my moral perfection. It actually only came by grace. So the grace that God gives us, he's actually calling us to dispense to others. And this, this is easy and light. Did you know that we are not the moral police of the world? Did you know that? Now, I don't recommend any immoral living at all. I think we should follow the law of God, the law of life as designed in the scripture. But you know that God hasn't called us to be the moral policemen and women of the world. Did you know? But what he did ask us to do, as he sat with the sinners and the tax collectors, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire from you, To give to somebody else. You and I are good. Talking about me and God. Jesus has done it. But what I need from you now. I need you to give mercy to people. That something would actually be written. On your heart. From the word of God. Past the letter of the law. That I would try to impose on somebody else. To the spirit of the law, what transforms my life, changes me so that I'm, I'm going to stop trying to do my religious sacrifices. I'm going, to try, I'm going to stop doing my traditions, but I'm actually going to give mercy to people. Jesus says, go and learn what this means, that I desire mercy, not sacrifice. so many verses in my ipad that i want to read to you but you'll be back next week and i'll read them to you next week all right let's finish with this here in luke chapter 8 luke chapter 8 so here jesus in this portion that we're just about to read that we're going to finish with jesus helps us to understand how we should listen how we should hear the word of god now one of the things that's great about jesus teaching and we're going to see one here that jesus Teaches in parables. And the reason he's teaching in parables, I believe one of the reasons is it's very hard to take a story and to make it a legalism. That you actually have to look into the story that he's telling and to understand the heart of it. What is the heart of the story that he's communicating to us? Because our tendency is, and maybe some more than others, our tendency is to take anything we hear and just to turn it into a legalism for other people. Did you realize you can't change other people? Has anyone ever tried? Any married people out there want to admit it, that you have tried at various and sundry times to change your spouse? How does it go? You're like Ofer, it just doesn't work. And this is why one of the beautiful things About the scripture About this idea Is that I'm actually not responsible To transform anybody's heart I can't actually do it But what I call people to do And I always point people back to Is like hey I want you to have a relationship with God Why? Because God is the only one that can change us God's word is the only thing that can change our lives His thoughts, his ways Are better than anything I could ever think of So God is the one that will change people's lives, not me. Luke chapter 8, verse 4 says this. While a large crowd was gathered and people were coming to Jesus from one town after another, he spoke to them in a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and some, some was trampled on. And the wild birds devoured it. And the other seed fell on a rock and when it came up it withered because it had no moisture. Other seed fell on thorns and they grew up with it. And it choked if other seed fell on good soil and grew and it produced a hundred times as much grain And as he said he called out the one who hears the one who has ears to hear had better listen So we should want to listen to what jesus is telling us here in this parable Verse 9 I love this the pair that the, the disciples came to jesus and were like we don't get it and Like that's a great story jesus. We just have no idea What you're talking about? Then his disciples asked him what this parable meant. Verse 10. And he said, you have been given an opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So although they see, they may not see. And although they hear, they may not understand specifically talking about the Pharisees. Verse 11. Now the parable means this. So here Jesus is going to teach us about what the story means. The seed is... The word of God, that the seed is the word of God, God's thoughts and his ways and his intentions and his promises. See, all learning is like this. All growing is like this, that something comes to us in seed form and then we think about it and then we understand it and then we apply it. Same way with the word of God. Now, the parable means this, the seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who have heard. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So they may not believe and be saved. We don't want to be those people. Those on the rock are the ones who have received the word with joy. And when they hear it, that they have no root, they believe for a while. But in a time of testing, fall away. We don't want to be those people. Verse 14. As for the seed that fell among thorns, those are the ones who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the worries and riches and pleasures of life. For their fruit does not mature. We don't want to be those people. Or we don't want to have that condition of heart. Verse 15. But as for the seed that landed on good soil. Man, I like the sound of that. Don't you like the sound of that? That if the seed is the word of God. That there can be a condition of my heart. That can actually be good soil. That the thoughts and intentions of God's will for my life, can actually find a receptive place in me to transform my life so that I can live out the freedom of the word of God, not for a legalism to enforce on other people, but a seed that can find a receptive place in my heart. I can't make someone else's heart be good soil. I can pray for them and I can trust God and I can share and we can scatter the seed and we can tell people. But the condition of somebody's heart has to do with them. And what if they still want to break the rules? And what if they still want to break the ink? What is God going to desire from us? Mercy not sacrifice but as for the sea that landed on good soul those are the ones who after hearing the word cling to it with an honest and good heart and bear fruit see this is what god wants the word of god to do in our life he wants the word of god to flourish And it would actually be something that would be coming out of me. The analogy, the metaphor is fruit, living a fruitful life, that the seed of the word of God will be planted in me so that somebody else could look at me and read my life and be blessed by the fruit that's growing from my heart that comes from the word of God. Man, I want to be that soil, don't you? Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.